Welcome back, Parking League. Welcome back to the Going Live podcast. It is your host, Max Cohen, and today we are finally back after a week hiatus. Uh, we do apologize. We had a little bit of a distribution problem. I uh, switched from one service to the other, and now I'm, I've switched back because it didn't work. So no need to uh, fix what's not broken. And uh, so I apologize. Didn't get that Saturday episode in that I wanted to. Didn't get the UFC 253 episode that I wanted to really get in. That one really bugged me a lot, so I apologize about that. Uh, to sum things up, we thought Costa was going to win. We thought Jan was going to win in the second round. We called the light heavyweight title fight correctly. We could not be more incorrect about the uh, the main event there for the 185 belt. And uh, that I guess that will bring us to what's happening right now. Just a real quick recap of what happened at UFC 253. Uh, Israel Adesanya defeats Paulo Costa in the second round by knockout. Uh, a clinic. A clinic. Absolute clinic. Um, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen it, I highly suggest going to watch that fight. Somehow getting a hold of it. I'm not sure how you do that. Um, it was it was a great great performance. Uh, in the light heavyweight title fight, Dom Reyes got knocked out by Jan Blahashwitz in the second round, and uh, Poland with his with their second MMA world champion in the UFC. And uh, it was a great performance. I think uh, Jan is going to be a real problem for a lot of guys in that 205 division. His hands are really, really hard. And he hits like a freight train. And he's pretty much just knocked out every single person who's coming his way. And with that being said, he calls out John Jones at the end of the, at the, end of the fight. I would love to see John Jones against Jan Blahashwitz because a lot of people say, including people like DC, Jan is too slow. Jan is too slow. Well, Dom almost beat John Jones, and and Jan knocked him out. So I I don't believe I really when when they say he's too slow, I don't believe it. I really don't because you can be fast and quick, or you can be powerful and precise, and that's what it seems that Jan has. He has precision on his side when it comes to, to striking. So I would love John Jones to come back down to the light heavyweight division and, and, and go for that one last run. If he does, I think it will be his last fight ever at light heavyweight. Uh, it's probably getting tough for him to make 205, especially with this muscle build that he's going with for the, uh, the transition to heavyweight. So I personally don't think it will happen. I, I would love for it to happen. But... It just it seems like a lot of work for John to make work. So we will see. We will see. But a great, great UFC 252, uh, 253, excuse me, and uh, just a card that, that represented what the UFC is all about. A lot of prospects, a lot of great fights. And um, let's move on to what's happening right now. I probably already said that. But um, MLB playoffs What happened? What is what's happening right now. Uh, a lot of playoff games, four to be specific. Two have already happened. Two are in progress as we are watching that right now. As of right now, first inning is over. It's 2 nothing Yankees. And the other game on the nightcap is going to be the Blue Jays and Rays. That game is seven innings through. The Rays are up one nothing, bottom seven. Uh, the Astros defeated the Twins in game one, unfortunately. Uh, 4-1, to one. they lead the series 1-0, and the White Sox defeated Oakland 4-1 f- uh, to, to lead the series 1-0 as well. Tomorrow, 
I, I, I've never seen anything like it, and I, I'm not complaining one second. Eight. Yes, you heard that correctly. Eight playoff games tomorrow. You got the Reds-Braves. You got the Astros-Twins game two. Marlins-Cubs game one. White Sox-A's game two. Blue Jays-Rays game two. Cardinals-Padres game one. Indians-Yankees game two. Brewers-Dodgers game one. You might be wondering, hey, you just said all of them are playing. Why did you have to list them off? They're in that order. They are that in terms of time. Those are the games for tomorrow. So um, Dodgers-Brewers to end it off and Reds-Braves to start it off. It's going to be a great day of baseball. I cannot wait for that. Um, our bracket, I, I um, haven't released it, but my uh, my prediction, unbiased prediction, can't be unbiased with the Reds. I'm going to go Reds in the World Series against the Yankees. All right, so Tampa Bay. Speaking of Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay uh, Lightning, uh, they win the Stanley Cup in five games, excuse me, in six games, four to two, and uh, the bubble is finally done for the NHL. It has come to an end, and the Lightning are the champions of the world. Um I mean, they had so many overtime games, so many long, long games that it's the epitome of what has to happen to win the Stanley Cup. And so hats off to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They finally get it done after years and years and years of disappointment. It's unfortunate that they won't be able to celebrate with their fans, but the fans don't care. They could not be happier. Some NFL news real quick. And, oh, actually, real quick, Game 1 NBA Finals tomorrow. Heat-Lakers going to be a real good one. I got Lakers in that one. And I would take the points, to be honest with you. So, um, Earl Thomas, some NFL news real quick. Earl Thomas will not be signing with the Houston Texans after some some real uh, consideration. I know they were con- highly, highly linked to a deal. Did not get done late last minute. A lot of people are, are, are saying maybe Jerry Jones had something to do with that, potentially needing him on the Cowboys instead. We will definitely wait and see what happens. He will not be in Houston, though. And finally, last but not least, and most importantly, COVID in Tennessee. Titans shut down their facilities until Saturday because of a positive test, a few positive tests, long snapper, offensive line, and a practice squad player, all positive tests, and... There is talk that this is going to force the team. I mean, as of right now, they, the NFL has stated this game is happening no matter what. Uh, it is the team's pretty much saying it's the team's responsibility to not get COVID. The schedule is happening whether you have your good players or not. And, you know, the discussion is the potentially get moved to Monday just so they can have as many good players as possible. If it's if it's a real outbreak, I, I couldn't see this game uh, going on. So definitely have to wait and see. Derek Derek Henry, AJ Brown, guys like that, obviously have to consider replacing them for this Sunday. Don't get to practice one time, potentially, not one practice before the game. So that could be a real big problem. They'll be doing everything virtually from now on. And um, that's it. That's it with the news portion of this show. It ran a little long. We will move on right away to the injury report. And uh, not a lot of huge names this time going down with injuries, but a long, 
long list of them. And we will start off with the rookie Michael Pittman in uh, Indianapolis. As the, the head coach there in Indianapolis said, he could be missing some time due to a lower leg injury. Now it is, of course, not not official. The test has not been completed. But as of right now, Frank Reich said that um, it could be a few weeks. could be a few weeks. So that is not good news for the already kind of depleted Indianapolis Colts offense over there. Uh, so probably the biggest biggest star on this list is Chris Jones, defensive lineman out of Kansas City. And you hate to see it with a, with a, with a defensive end or a defensive tackle, but the groin injury suffered at the end of Monday night's game. Uh, they will have some, some MRIs down the road. Uh, Damon Arnett, rookie out of Las Vegas, his thumb could keep him out several weeks. <clears throat> he is visiting a specialist on Tuesday, and the fears are could be up to six weeks. So, you know, worst case scenario, almost two months. Uh, that 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 would be a huge loss for the Las Vegas Raiders, whose passing off, passing defense to begin with is not that great. Mike Williams out of the Los Angeles Chargers, his hamstring was hurt on Sunday, and he exited um, he exited the contest on Sunday. Uh, tests also have to be done there. No no timetable decided yet. Jared Cook. New Orleans Saints tight end. He uh, he came up limping after a catch in the second half and was taken to the locker room. Now that is um, an ankle, so we will see. Of course, a lot of these injuries will have to still be determined based on the MRIs and the tests later on. So these are kind of just going to be um, very basic, rough draft-esque uh, lists here, but um, st st bear with me because there are some fantasy relevant players for sure. Jabril Preppers, he's day-to-day. -day. Uh, no surgery for him, but they will still monitor him. Dallas Goddard, no surgery as of right now, but the broken ankle, uh, a fractured ankle to be more specific. He is out indefinitely. And I'm just going to skip through that one because it just like hurts my heart so much to be saying this. Um, week one, he looked so good. And then week two, he looked pretty bad and I was looking for a nice bounce back week for my boy Dallas Goddard fractures his ankle you hate to see it and uh, we hope to see him back on the field very soon because I dropped um, a few a few people to get him so yeah let's move on Deontay Johnson he is in concussion protocol and uh, obviously that will that will vary day-to-day -day on whether he will be allowed to play next week or not. Along with Derek Watt, he was diagnosed with a grade 2 hamstring strain, and he is also considered day-to-day. -day. Jordan Reed, if the, if the San Francisco 49ers injury situation could not get any worse, uh, I was wrong. Jordan Reed, backup tight end to George Kittle, may be out 6 to 8 weeks with a knee sprain. So he was doing well. He was playing well, and now San Francisco might be out both their tight ends for next week. Uh, they still won by 30, so it doesn't really matter. But at the end of the day, missing Kittle, missing Reed uh, would be a huge blow to the offense that's already suffering a lot of injuries. So, um, man, you really hate to see it for a guy like Jordan Reed specifically based on the fact that he's really dealt with concussions his entire career, and he's so talented, and he's, he's just, the concussion thing, just for some people, just doesn't go away. And he's one of those players that it seemed to really, 
really stay with him. And now he's finally healthy. He seems to be free of the concussion. And boom, six to eight weeks. So we, we really also wish Jordan Reed a very speedy recovery. Jamal Adams, groin. Um, he might not be playing week four. Pete Carroll said that it is um, entirely possible that that he is out for multiple weeks. And he said he will, he will struggle to get healthy for Sunday's game against the Dolphins. It is the Dolphins. There's a good chance they just sit him, precautionary-wise, regardless. And... Um, you know, hopefully, because that defense is is phew, bad. Weird, weirdly enough, very bad. And so, losing Jamal Adams, then you're almost playing quarterbacks against Seattle defense on purpose, regardless of who it is. That that's how depleted they'll be back there. So, Jamal Adams, the groin is another injury that just seems to linger all year long, and it just uh, would be a huge loss for Seattle. Um, speaking of huge loss, Chris Carson, he is diagnosed with a first-degree sprain. So it's not going to be week-to-week. Week. It's more more day-to-day. And Pete Carroll said he's, he's, he's very, very lucky that this is uh, the worst of the injury for sure. If you haven't figured out, if you haven't uh, heard about the little controversy going on about the tackle that uh, led to this injury, Chris Carson kind of got pulled over somebody and leg pulled across. It, it was a it was an interesting interesting scene if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and YouTube it. It's all over the internet right now. Uh but he should be good. Chris Godwin. He's here. He's gone. See ya. That was fun. Thanks for the two quarters, Chris. Uh that hamstring. That hamstring is it's going to cost me a few leagues, I'm pretty sure. Dealing with the hamstring before the league, before the season started. Missed the first two games. Doesn't even get through the entire first game. He's back. Uh, scheduled to receive an MRI yesterday. And so, just waiting for those tests. Oh, God. I posted a meme, the South Park meme, and he's gone. Because that's just how it feels. And you have Chris Godwin, and he's gone. <laughs> Luckily, Kenny Galladay was also back and came through. But Chase Young also, same situation, groin. MRI yesterday, test to be obviously revealed when they get the, the results. Uh, but yeah, that's it. A semi-long list of uh, fantasy-relevant players injured on Sunday. Luckily, no ginormous names like Week 2. So just keep your fingers crossed that the uh, the injury train doesn't roll to your team. Because I know a lot of Saquon and McCaffrey people are uh, just face-palming. Face palming most of Sunday yesterday, I can imagine. Let's move on, though. Real quick, um, Russell Gage, I forgot to mention this, Russell Gage did leave Sunday's game because of a head injury. There is no news, though, so that's why I forgot to report it because there's really no update. But uh, keep an eye on that because Julio Jones obviously out, and if Julio Jones is out, Russell Gage is now the second wide receiver in that bunch and gives me a lot more confidence in terms of starting him. Let's move on to our pick em up and time to drop section, our first time to drop segment of the year because you can't you can't advocate dropping anyone after two weeks. Uh, you, you really need to see three games is my lim is my um, my minimum. You have to at least see three games to have somewhat of an understanding of A, how talented this player is, B, how involved they are in their offense, and C, if they're performing at all, even if they are involved in their offense. 
and whatnot. So, time to drop. It starts and it ends at the quarterback position with Mitchell Trubisky. I think he's probably the only quarterback that will make my starters, my stardom section the week before, and then the time to drop section the week after. So, very weird times we're in. But Mitchell Trubisky gets benched, loses his starting job. He is no longer fantasy relevant at all. His roster ship should be under 5%. Let's be honest, unless you're in a 15-team league, a, a, a deep, deep league, two-quarterback, 12-team league, something like that, there is no reason Mitchell, Mitchell Trubisky should be on your roster. Use that spot for someone who could blow up and give you points. Even in a tiebreaker, Mitchell Trubisky will do nothing for you. Literally will do nothing for you on your bench getting zero points. So, um, I heavy, heavily advocate dropping him. Running back, Tony Pollard, 31%. Look, he just hasn't done anything. And the, the thing about Tony Pollard is he's very he's 31% rostered. So he's very fantasy relevant due to the fact that he was Zeke's handcuff and potential replacement during his holdout last year. A lot of a lot of drafts that happened between Zeke coming back and Zeke announcing his holdout. I mean, <laughs> I literally had one league where Tony Pollard went in the first round. So I think that's really the only reason why people still have him on his roster. He's a relevant name. People people remember who he is. Um, but let's be 100% honest with what's going on. He's getting zero looks, and he's and he's got 16 rushing yards in three weeks. Uh, he's not part of the plan. He's a kick returner and a backup running back. 31% roster ship is way too much for a guy who's not going to see the field. Uh, my second running back on this list is going to be Matt Breida of the Miami Dolphins. At the end of the day, he's in, a, he's in a carousel of running backs, and he is the third option. I really think he's the third option. He's only, he only, he's only had 15 attempts in three games. He's got, getting no goal line looks. That's Jordan Howard's gig. He's got two one-yard touchdowns. Jordan Howard does. And Matt Breida is kind of the odd man out here. And for some reason, he is still 42% rostered. Now, I totally understand that you are going to probably hold on to him just in case. You know, he could maybe blow up like he did in San Francisco. But the thing is, is San Francisco was a team that wanted to win now. Miami is a team that wants to win in the future. And so they're going to give their rookie running back more looks and more and, and a bigger leash in terms of mistakes and, and, and learning curves. And so Matt Breida at 42% rostered, it, it, it seems a little absurd. It really does. I mean, he's, he's getting you no points. He's really not in the game plan in terms of, of touches. And it just it is way too high. Please, please, people. 40, almost half the leagues in fantasy football have Matt Breed on their roster. That should probably change. My third running back of this list is Peyton Barber and 11% roster. That is down 15%, so the people are ahead of the curve here. Um, but he, he has lost his job as well. He is no longer the starter there in, in Washington. And Antonio Gibson, um, they, they want him to be the guy. And so drop him. <laughs> Peyton Barber, he does need to be on your team. Now, tight end, Chris Herndon. 
And here's a guy who I was advocating for, you know, a potential deep sleeper, has been advocating for this for quite some time. A lot of people have. A lot of people do uh, believe that he has some real talent. But at the end of the day, three fantasy points so far. Jets are a mess. 28% rostered. It, you know, this list right here is mainly for guys uh, who you might Ah, I need I need to drop someone, but I don't know who to drop. I don't want to. This is kind of the situation where he would be a no-brainer for me. Uh, if I need a guy, uh, Chris Hernan is gone because he's done absolutely nothing, and Adam Gase has no idea what he's doing out there. It's hilarious, but you know, unfortunately, he's wasting space on the bench. And finally, last but not least, I never thought I'd say this in the Pete Carroll era. But the Seahawks' defense are 100% droppable. 100% droppable. Okay? Don't let anyone else tell you otherwise. They've looked flawed. They've looked slow. They have looked dependent on Russell Wilson to outscore the other team and not play defense. They have allowed 10 touchdowns so far in three weeks and almost 8 yards away from giving up 1,500 yards so far. In three games. That's 500 yards a game. That is not going to cut it. They are 25% rostered. And until that changes, do not waste your time with them. If you're a streamer, if you're a guy who streams your defenses, they will not be the option going forward. They have a tough division. They have a tough schedule. And as of right now, they are not worthy of being on a team. So... That is the people who you should drop. Now, if you've dropped these people and you are looking for people to pick up, here are five people that I like a lot. Jared Goff. Start of the season, I would have never advocated for Jared Goff, so I do apologize. That is my fault. We will admit when we were wrong. We were wrong so far on Jared Goff. He's 45% rostered. He's got almost 600 passing yards in three games, five touchdowns, one interception, I'm sorry, almost 600 passing yards in the last two games uh, with five touchdowns, one interception. Next two games against the Giants and the Washington football team. I think you might like those options going forward in terms of week five and week four. Um, You know, I have Tom Brady, and I think I might be starting Jared Goff next week against the Giants just because of of how bad they've looked in general. Now, I I mentioned Chris Carson at the start of the show with the injury report. Now, that is um, worth monitoring for sure. And while you monitor him, I suggest picking up uh, Carlos Hyde if you need uh, if if you really need a guy and you don't want to risk losing out on Chris Carson and and Carlos Hyde. Go ahead and pick him up. 14% rostered. And, you know, with Rashad Penny on the PUP list, obviously he's the only option that's next. And I would say, you know, go for Rashad Penny, but he can't return until week seven. So Carlos Hyde for now. And Seahawks run the ball. So it could be a nice uh, a nice pickup for you. Brandon Ayuk, San Francisco 49ers, 21% rostered, 19 points in week three. 100 total yards, one touchdown. He's looked uh, okay until week three, and then he really, really looked good. And he, he's he been a rookie that has been talked about. He's out of Arizona State, and he's been talked about a lot in terms of the dark horse uh, of the rookie class, being potentially one of the most productive players, not just position players, but all players in, in the um, – 
2020 draft class. So I th- I want I want to take a flyer on him. I want to see if this is worth it because Justin Jefferson is another guy in this list. I didn't mention him on the um on the Instagram post because I thought his his roster ship was a lot higher, but it's actually around 35 to 40 percent. So Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, two rookies that I believe could be seeing serious um, NFL production in their future because they have the athleticism and they have the speed and you just got to put it into the right formula. And I think Minnesota and San Francisco respectively are, are two teams that have found the right guy for them. And so I'm going to advocate picking up two rookies week four. You never know. Anything can happen. It happened with Nick Chubb a little later on, two years ago, his rookie season. Maybe something like that happens. You never know. If you need a guy, Brandon Ayuk and Justin Jefferson. Now, my third wide receiver on this list is Alan Lazard. He's 50% rostered. And in 2020, man, he's done not bad. He's done pretty well. Done not bad. That's what I almost said. And I'm going to change it up to he's doing pretty well because I sound like an idiot. But 254 receiving yards and two touchdowns so far in 2020. And even if Devontae Adams returns you know, next week, to say, um, which is very possible, I still want to take a flyer on him because he looked really good on Sunday night, man. I mean, sometimes you look at the analytics. Sometimes you look at the stats. And sometimes you just watch the game and he passes the eye test and you go, hmm, I am very interested. And that was Alan Lazard for me. Um, obviously, you have the the age-old question of, well, do I go with Lazard or do I go with Marquez Valdez-Scantling? Because MVS has looked good. the f- for Week one has looked real good. And then ever since... Has kind of looked, you know, eh. Four receptions in two weeks, 69 yards. First week had 96 yards and the same amount of receptions. So he's done just as good in the last two weeks as he has week one. Now you have Lazard who's starting to pick up speed and then Devontae Adams coming back. What do I do? My question or my answer to that is really just go with one of them. Just I'm, I'm going with Lazard. I think Lazard is better than MVS, but you're you're gonna have the same dilemma with both parties. So Lazard is out there. He is definitely running the hot hand right now, 50% rostered, and he's worth a flyer in my opinion. He really is. Just give it a shot. I think if I had to rank them, I'd definitely put Lazard ahead of MVS. But you, my point is, you're still dealing with the same mental anguish of which which number two receiver for the Packers is going to get it done. Because once Devontae Adams comes back, those those targets obviously go down. But you're still getting thrown the ball from, from Aaron Rodgers. So it's a nice little balancing act of the pros and cons there. But for me, Alan Lazard has looked physically like a better wide receiver. And we'll leave it at that. My tight end, Jimmy Graham. I haven't said that name in a very long time in terms of advocating for him to be picked up or started. But ever since Nick Foles came in to replace Mitch Trubisky, he just looked a lot better. He just looked a lot 
better. Uh, Nick Foles likes to use that tight end position to his advantage for sure. So that is it. That is our pick em up and safe to drop segments. Let's move on real quick to our Sunday recap. And we were, we're going to kind of go through this pretty quickly. But Joe Burrow, top 10 fantasy quarterback. I absolutely love it. He's gone back-to-back games with 300-plus yards and zero interceptions. He looks like he's already getting used to the defense in the NFL. Josh Allen is elite. You're welcome. If you listen to the show, you're welcome. I've been trying to tell people this. So I told you so. We have that segment, I told you so. We'll admit when we're wrong. We'll tell you when we're right. And James Robinson for the Jacksonville Jaguars on Thursday night showed to me how wrong I am about not starting any Jacksonville Jaguars. This guy's legit, and he should definitely be considered as a flex option going forward. Colts defense is elite. Told you so. I even said draft two defenses just to be able to get a hang of it, hold of this one. What do you know? Number one defense in fantasy football. You love to see it. I told you so. Justin Jefferson, we just mentioned his name. He is officially on my radar in terms of not just fantasy relevant player but fantasy star Uh, you just don't get 170 receiving yards in a game and then it be a fluke for a rookie in his third ever game um (laughs) seven receptions 175 receiving yards for a rookie so he's officially on my radar as someone who i'm trying to get trying to pick up trying to add trade for and I have him on my bench in two leagues, so I'm in a good situation there. I'm excited to see what he does week four. Jared Goff, big game so far. Just mentioned it, but again, that's my bad. I said he'd have a horrible season this year. He has proven me wrong. Sorry, Steven Gostowski. My bad. Our bad. S- you know, Sincerely, the internet, after going dud mode on national TV... He hit six field goals for the Titans. Three from 50 or more yards. Great game for Steven Goskowski. Nick Chubb, still elite. My bad. I kind of said, oh, I can't really. Kareem Hunt still did not. It's the same exact situation. He's the top dog. Kareem Hunt is just the secondary running back that complements that system. But Nick Chubb is the real deal. He had two touchdowns again on Thursday. Or on, or on Sunday. Nick um, Keenan Allen heating up. He might be. 19 targets from Justin Herbert going to the veteran. So maybe this could be the fact. I mentioned it earlier. He could be a great value. 19 targets. I'll take that all day long. Allen Robinson. Great game. Finally. Just finally. PPR format for me. I have him in pretty much all of them. So good to see. Michael Gallup. Finally. As well, he's starting to heat up as well. He had a great Sunday, and to uh, to wrap it off, Mike Davis. My bad. I said start him. I said sit him. He went off, <laughs> so I guess he is ready for the challenge. And last but not least, no one is talking about Nick Mullins. My man threw for 343 yards, a touchdown, and no interceptions. Good job. That is just that is impressive. And real quick, Sunday standouts, Mahomes, Russell Wilson, Kamara, Rex Burkhead, Tyler Lockett, Jimmy Graham, the Colts defense, the Buccaneers defense, and Steven Gostowski. We finished it. We fit it all in. Thank you guys for tuning in. And thank you uh, for understanding 
about the uh, little uh, mishap I had there. So we're back, though. No worries. And um, right back at it on Thursday and Saturday as well. So we'll see you then. Until next time, my friends. Uh, and also, you could subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on all social medias. And, uh, yeah. Until next time, my friends. Thank you so much for being here. Peace.